Welcome, welcome to all of our listeners in the uh, Man Talks land. Welcome to the Man Talks podcast. Uh, I am Connor Beaton, the founder of Man Talks, and uh, unfortunately, Mr. Roger Nairn, my co-host, is not available today, so it'll just be myself and our guest. Just to remind you, the goal of this podcast is to bring you inspiring men and inspiring conversations. The, the real goal here is that we want to help you, the listener, you know, become your best version. So how are we going to do that? We're going to find some incredible men in the world and you know, experts in the fields of relationships, sex, business, health, wellness, fitness, spirituality, and we're going to let them share their journey and their voice and their wisdom with you. So it's a pretty powerful podcast. Before we get started and before I introduce uh, our guest today, I just wanted to uh, let you know about an upcoming event that we have in Vancouver. We are putting on our very first one-day event. It's going to be a huge, huge event. We're looking at about 250 to 300 people here in Vancouver in the Convention Center. And uh, we have some amazing people coming to speak, like the ex-captain of the Vancouver Whitecaps, Jay Demerit. We've got the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, Mr. Brian Scudamore. We have the CEO of Kit and Ace, which is a sister company to Lululemon, Mr. Uh, Daryl Kopke. So those are just to name a few. We have some incredible speakers. It's going to be a, a, an amazing lineup. And the focus of the day is going to be uh, Grow Yourself grow your relationships and grow your business. So you, you won't want to miss that. Check that out. It's on the Mantox website at mantox.com. Uh, it's called the, the One Day Intensive. So hopefully we can see you there. So for today, I would like to introduce to you a very, very special guest, Mr. David Katz, who actually just spoke at one of our events. And it was, it was amazing. So we thought we would share him with our online community. So David is the president of, or was the president of the Entrepreneurs Organization, or EO. Uh, he was the president of the Vancouver chapter, and is the recent winner of the organization's Global Citizen Award, which is amazing. Uh, after 10 successful years of business, David recently sold his GPS tracking technology company to focus on the growth of his current business, which is called The Plastic Bank. Now, the Plastic Bank is a very unique company. It's, it's a social plastic movement which improves the lives of disadvantaged people in many countries around the world while keeping plastic waste out of our oceans, which is definitely needed. David is also the founder of the Core Values Institute, which is a global thought leadership platform and consultancy that helps entrepreneurs uncover and live in line with the values that lead to their success. And on top of that, he does all this while raising three incredible children. So as you can tell just by that quick little bio, you know, David is an amazing human being. He's a great example of what's possible for a man, a father, a business owner. And I am so grateful to be able to introduce you to Mr. David Katz. You've got some yet to do. I won't give up on you. All right. So, David, uh, welcome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. We are extremely grateful to have you and, and to be honest, uh, very fortunate. And I feel very blessed to actually have you on the podcast and to just uh, this is this is more so than anything, just an hour for me to sit awesome. down and have, a, have an hour <laughs> conversation with you. And, you know, normally Roger would be here, but unfortunately couldn't make it. Uh, so it's even better. It's even better for me. It's just it's a great day today. Um, so why don't we just start off by, you know, the age old question of what it is to, that you actually do in the world? 
I mean, that's such a complicated question. You know, what, what do we do as humans? But we, you know, what am I doing as, as, a, as a business? What am I doing as a career? How am I exemplifying who I am in my life? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the plastic bank. And the plastic bank endeavors to monetize waste, currently waste plastic, and providing an opportunity for the world's most disadvantaged to collect and exchange plastic waste as a currency, mm-hmm. to reveal the value in people and the materials that they encounter, mm-hmm. to use that as a way to transcend the ravages of poverty, to provide an opportunity for those people to collect the plastic they encounter and use it to pay for things like charcoal briquettes and water purification and Wi-Fi and, and solar power and all of those other things. It's ultimately just to reveal the value because mm. pound for pound plastic is worth more than steel. Mm. Tenfold that of steel. Where plastic could be a dollar a pound, steel is 10 cents a pound. But yet we discard it. We throw it away. We don't see the value in it. We've been taught that it's worthless, but it's not. And we see that, and even, you know, and today my my Facebook feed is lighting up with people posting this latest conversation about the amount of plastic in the bellies of seabirds. Mm. And I think that the title I saw was that by 2050, every seabird in the world will have plastic in its belly. Yeah. Something has to be done. I chose that it had to be me. I knew that I couldn't sit back and wait for someone else to make a difference and that what we needed to do was prevent plastic from entering the ocean to begin with as opposed to going and trying to clean it up. Mm. Yeah, I think that kind of touches actually on something. I, I watched a, I watched a video of you and you said being an entrepreneur is really about looking for solutions all the time, looking for problems that uh, need to be solved. Yeah. You know, so is that really what you're saying is that at the at the core of what you're doing is is entrepreneurship. It's, it is entrepreneurship. It's revealing value in people. I mean, it's the creativity, it's solution. It's, mm. it's the value in the idea. That's what people are rewarded for. So, I mean, I would love to, I mean, we're going to go into you and who you are and, you know, but for, for our listeners, I think there's what really captivates me initially is, you know, how, how does your business actually because it sounds like it pays other people and it encourages them to collect plastic. And, and for me, that's just, it, it sounds so simple and yet so revolutionary. The idea that people can go collect plastic and then basically get something in return. And so what, what types of countries are you in? What types of people are, are, you know, helping this movement? And, uh, yeah, I mean, if you could shed some light on that, it'd be amazing. Everyone gets to contribute. This is the beautiful part. It's win, 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 win. Mm. Even the plastic wins. It gets to become new again. It's a great part about plastic. I mean, it's infinitely recyclable. I mean, it doesn't degrade. I mean, you can just make it to something again. Mm. Something that was once floating in the ocean gets to become a chair. Once it's a chair, it gets to become um, a vessel of some sort. Who knows? Mm. But the consumer gets to make a decision. They get to contribute by making a decision to purchase those items that have been made from plastic that have been collected by the world's poor. Mm. The collector themselves get to win by collecting the plastic and receiving a value for it. The brand gets to win because they get to use a plastic that engages the consumer. Mm. The plastic wins, the collector wins, the country wins, the brand wins, the consumer wins. It's incredible. It's fundamental. I mean, it's just so simple. I mean, the idea itself is simple, which makes it self-evident. Yeah. It's not like it had to be spun or, you know, when you add some magic sprinkle, then it becomes <laughs> something. It's there's, just, it's there's just no, easy. There's no Billy Mays catch no, on it. Right? No, no, not at all. <laughs> Billy Mays. But wait, there's yeah, more. But, 
Uh, and, and, and within it, I think that the, the beauty is in the simplicity that everyone, you know, everyone can be inspired by the action of it and that everyone gets to contribute to it. You don't have to be special to be a part of, of the movement in the end. Mm. And we see it in many of the developing nations in a bottle exchange program. And it's really modeled around that, that, that people are, are rewarded and paid for and they're it's gamified and incentivized to go out and collect bottles. But black bottles are only one portion of the waste stream. That's the challenge. And yeah, they're, they're a, a container, which is great. Now in British Columbia, we, we pay a deposit, a recycling deposit, which then is paid back to people who collect it. And it's basically modeled on the, on the, on the same premise. But mm-hmm. instead of by the bottle, we pay by the pound, which incents, incents the collection of all different plastics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some challenges with the non-rigids and things like that. But to be able to incent on all plastics makes some sense. Mm-hmm. And and with that, with that movement, as we grow, we, we're, we're coming across, you know, multinational or global providers of packaging who have conversed with us that they are so encouraged by the idea that they are thinking about changing the materials they use so that they're more easily collected. Mm-hmm. Now, they haven't been incented to do that in the past because there was no way to collect the material anyhow. Mm. But now with the collection process, to go into a country and provide single source materials in their packaging to make it easier to collect and recycle makes sense for them. Yeah. I mean, you look at you look at companies, um, there's quite a few enterprise level companies, you know, Fortune, Fortune 500 companies. And, you know, even you look at like Fortune 100 and Fortune Fortune 10 company. I mean, there's some of those really big. I mean, you look at Apple and some of the moves that they've made in the last. I mean, they they bought a forest with with the intent of creating renewable packaging, right? And and the the, the idea behind it was that you know they could they could actually manage um, repopulating the forests that they're actually using. Right. So there, there are some pretty incredible things that are starting to happen out there in terms of, you know, just the packaging, the products and, and the companies. Let's let I, I, I want to make it very clear that it is the consumer that has made that change mm. and that the power lies in the individual mm. and that Apple is only doing it because the consumer demands it. Mm. And that's the change. That's the beginning of change. Now that's fantastic that we see that happening mm. that we see Apple reaching that and they see the competitive advantage in it. And that will inspire other organizations, other fortune 10, fifties, one hundreds, thousands, five thousands to do that. Mm. That's the beginning of the change of the consumer that's demanding that the corporations of the products that they, that they purchase have social responsibility. Mm. That's all us. Yeah. It's, I think that's an, that's an incredible view because so often when the individual looks at a company like that and looks at a corporation, for most people, I think what goes through their mind is, how can I possibly have an impact on that? How can yeah, I I'm just possibly... one person. How could I make a change? Yeah. You, you have got no, no idea how powerful you are as a consumer. Exactly. So I, I really, I love that distinction and that, um, that viewpoint that the individual actually does have a voice and that the individual really has an giant impact. voice, giant voice. And, and, and with, with, with social media today, mm-hmm. you've got such far reach. You can, you, you can engage and you can engage your friends and you can communicate with a brand directly and you can hashtag a brand and they'll read it yep. for Pete's sakes. So you've got yep. lots of power, amazing 
purchasing power. And the more that you do that, the more that it comes on their radar, the more they see it, the more they're aware of it. Mm. It's important that you do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think about even, even man talks, like if people reach out, it, they have the power to delegate, you know, the type of speakers that we get, the locations that we go to. I'm sure that's probably very similar with Plastic Bank. Like if people are reaching out and saying, hey, we want you in this country, yeah, we, you, you just, know. They're just listening. Yeah. Yeah. It's, isn't, it, isn't that to love someone though? I mean, to, mm-hmm. to, you know, to do for them, to listen to them. Yeah. You know, to love people. Really, yeah. it's not, not hard ultimately to do well. So would you say that you like what plastic bank is doing and what you're doing is on the side of or very much so a, a social entrepreneur or a social venture i mean call it that i call it appropriate business i mean i don't know what to call it people go oh you're you're running a triple bottom line business well that's fun no, I'm, I'm running a business the way that it's supposed to be and and the tenants of the organization are to reveal value love people and continuously improve that's not hard those are our actions every day and when you reveal value and we consider just that on its own to reveal value is to add value when you find value in something you add value to it how does an entrepreneur make money by adding value so our whole mission is to continue to add value. Well, I mean, it's, it's quite simple. It's rudimentary. Yeah. But yet people are lost on the idea. Do you feel like some, at, at some point, maybe entrepreneurship took a left turn in, in a weird direction and kind of got lost at the essence of what it's actually supposed to be? Because you, you, I, I love the way that you talk about it. It's like, you know, social entrepreneurship or just entrepreneurship really at the, at the end of the day, it's just... It is what business should be and ultimately is designed to be. Well, and I think that the market will continue to reveal that. And the market will continue to exhibit and prove mm. that entrepreneurship is doing well and yeah. revealing value and things, not diminishing. Yeah. It's not win-lose. It's not the corporation wins because the environment <laughs> loses. That, what, were you kidding? Yeah. It's, it, and, then, and, and it's substantiated. So it, it's, it's, it becomes self-evident again that you need to continue to add value along the entire chain. Nobody can lose. Mm. Very cool. So just to kind of back it up and and maybe give me and the listeners some insight into, you know, where you are right now, there's probably an incredible journey behind where you are right now. Um, Because, you know, you've just having researched a little bit about you and having had you, you know, having the, the, the gift of having you come and speak at Man Talks in the event you're you're an incredible human being and i think that you know a lot of people recognize that and and there's just i'm i'm curious as to some of the journey that's that's led up to that so just out of curiosity what were you like as a kid like what was 10 year old david katz like <laughs> like, cause I know for me, I was the, I was the shit disturber. You know, I was that, I was that hyperactive kid that got into trouble and was on, but you know, stuck up for the, stuck up for the, for the little kids. Cause I was the big guy. I wasn't the bully, but I was definitely, I was high energy and, and that's kind of shaped who I am. So I'm very curious, you know, what, what were you like? Um, you know, first off, thank you for very much for the kind words. It's very heartfelt and beautiful and it fulfills me to hear that. So thank you. As a kid, I, I have a vivid memory of being like maybe seven. And then my older brother was telling me that my parents just got home from the doctor and I was I diagnosed as hyperactive. Mm. <laughs> well, I guess at that, at that time I was, you know, a little attention deficit or whatever it was, but yeah. uh, I'm always on to the next thing. And I, and I am fulfilled by the exploration and the inquisitiveness of life in that whatever it was that I had, I took apart. I wanted to see how it worked. Mm. 
I just thought that was the normal thing. Like I couldn't just accept it as it was. I had to figure it out. I was rambunctious and a mess. And I had some friends that loved making pipe bombs and blowing up pools. And I was, (laughs) I was a disaster, but within it and underlying in all of it was, was the unending desire to figure things out. Mm. And, and although I was a horrible, well, let me rephrase that. I like to express maybe in a jocular tone that I was a very, very solid C student. Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't that I didn't like to learn. I love to learn. I just need to be engaged in my learning. And in everything that I did, it was just a process to learn. Mm-hmm. It was to be engaged in things, to experience life, mm-hmm. which is the way I live my life now. I experience things, which is why I like to travel so much with my kids. I filled my passport in two years because I'm curious. Mm. I just want to go figure it out. There's always a way. Mm. There's always something new. And and to reveal the tenant of, of the plastic bank is my tenant. That's the way I live my life. And when I travel with my kids, which I try to do eight weeks a year, for me, I show up. I don't have a de- I I've I've try I we had a beautiful family vacation where I bought one way tickets to Scotland. I had no idea what we we're going to do, where we we're going to go, but I found this one dollar, a dollar with Air Transat to Scotland and we showed up and I had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> and that was the best vacation of my life because right, cool. every time we turned around a corner, something would reveal itself. And we lived in awe for a month while every corner we turned, we saw something we never had expected. Hmm. And that was the common story of the family. We shared it together, hmm. the unexpected the unknown, and it was revealed together. What a great memory as a child Mm. to travel and to be free. Mm. And I think more importantly, the lesson to the kids is that it doesn't have to be planned. It doesn't have to be written. And I think that really on the contrary, that the greater gift is to not believe that you need to have something assured Mm. before you embark which is the challenge with most. Often I say that the best is the enemy of the good. And it truly is because there is good enough. Mm. And if we all wait for the best, it'll never happen because there's always something better. And like travel, if you sit and wait and plan and have an expectation and think, oh, when I get to Italy, I'll have spaghetti and it's going to be amazing. <laughs> and you go and it's not amazing. You're disappointed. Yeah. But if you go and say, oh, I don't know where I'm going to go. Oh, look, I'm in Italy and I'm having spaghetti. How amazing. It's the same event. Mm. Yeah, it's almost that... Uh not being attached to a specific outcome. It's the journey. The journey's the destination. Yeah. Yeah. It's the journey. You can be present in the day, in the moment, not in expectation of the future. Mm. You live now and you experience today. Life becomes longer when you live in the day. Mm. Yeah, it's funny, you know, I I think that statement right there just to kind of just to kind of land somewhere. Um you know that statement right there is is pretty powerful because I think in an in an age where we are inundated with notifications and to do lists and mm-hmm. must haves and must dos and bucket lists and just this constant stream of of things that we need to accomplish, it's it's quite contrary to how we think often of 
you know, how do I actually be in this moment? How do I actually be here? And, and I love that sort of whimsical uh, sensation that you talk about and that, that sort of, that sort of, uh, I guess I would call it wanderlust. It right? is a wanderlust uh, and it is whimsical and it is fun and life is fun and life should be full of pleasure and life should be full of unexplored mysteries and everything else that's amazing. <laughs> that's how it should be. Yeah. And I think that when we get into bucket lists and although I've got my goals and I write out my goals as often as I can, and of course I want the future and I want to yeah. manifest that and I want to work towards something, but I don't deny my happiness today. Mm. I'm happy now. And when you're happy now, even if you don't get your goal, you're at least happy now. Mm. But so many people tie their happiness to a future goal. I'll be happy when. Yeah. What do you mean you'll be happy when? <laughs> Ridiculous. Of course I'm future focused. I'll, I'll, I'll have even more. And, and it's not, you know, and I chat about this and I think it's so important that it's not the goal. It's mm. not the bucket list. It's who you need to become to achieve the goal which in itself is the journey. You need to be present in who you need to become to achieve it. Mm. And when you are solely focused on the goal, you'll never become who you need to be to achieve the goal. Mm. Yeah, I think that's, that's powerful. That's powerful on its own. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's very, it can be challenging to come to that place. I think, you know, I think back to, you know, when I went to music school, I had very specific goals. I was, I'm, I'm the type of individual, like I'm an achiever, right? So I want to get shit done. I want to set goals and rigorously work towards them. And in, in the music industry, because it's very cut throughout, there was a, definitely a period of time where I think all that I did was live in the future. I was never present because all I could see, all I was working towards, everything that I ate, breathed, slept was future, Right. And the problem with that was once I achieved some of those goals, then it was almost it was almost as though they were fleeting. Right. They would they would be accomplished and I would maybe take it in for a little bit and then they would fly past. Right. right? And it was on to the next on to the next goal. So I think what you're talking about is is powerful because it it allows you to experience the present moment. And when you do get there (laughs) live every day, you're kidding yeah. Um, but I'm curious. So, you know, you talked about being a C student and yes. I was very much the same way. I was, I was maybe a low C student. Um, but we shouldn't confuse it. And, and with a listener, it's not about, you know, it's about, I love learning. Yes. I love learning. Yeah. Love learning. I don't like being taught. Mm. That's a good distinction, actually. That's a very d- good distinction. So, you know, did you, as a kid growing up, because you, that idea and and that sense of uh, creativity, like that was very present in me too. Um, and that, that creativity and that sort of like longing for discovery and being able to uncover and learn things for myself was very, very, very present, present in my, in my childhood as well. And, you know, I grew up with the whole ADD thing as well. I was an eighties kid. So I was one of the only kids in grade four that was like on Ritalin and stuff like that. Like I was that, I was that kid. Um, so, you know, what kind of, did you ever, I'm just out of curiosity because I don't, I don't actually know the answer, but like, did you ever end up going to university or continue? Like, yeah, no, I went to BCIT. Uh, I have a diploma in technology okay. and hospitality, hospitality, <laughs> hospitality. <laughs> uh, my parents were in the, in the tavern business. They, you know, had kind of some dumpy hotels and, and taverns booze was the business. And, and I, as a, as a dutiful child thought that I would, you know, facilitate the family business. So I went to BCIT to, 
you know, get a, you know, business diploma in the discipline of hospitality administration, which I thought would be important. And I, and I took a very, very solid three years to finish my two year diploma. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So, yeah. I think I, so, I did my four year bachelor in five years. Right. right. <laughs> I even got an advanced placement. <laughs> Talent got right, me in, right? Then, yeah, right, right, right. Now that being said, you know, I I, I go through a book a week. Huh. I I I go through a book a week. Now, I don't have the capacity. Another, let me phrase it. I have the capacity to sit down and read. Hmm. I have a greater capacity to listen, and so Audible.com has been profound for me. It allows me to listen to books when I'm running, if I'm running for an hour, mm. uh, if I'm in the car for an hour, if I'm in the car for an hour a day and I run for an hour a day, if I can listen to a book for two hours and most average books are, are six hours, I can go, I can go through a couple of books a week. And why would you get into your car? Why would you not get into your car and arrive at a destination smarter than when you left? Mm. Why would you listen to the radio, which depletes you and fills you with, with news and negativity mm. And, and, and everything that's nonsensical mm. and whimsical. Yeah. And why would you involve yourself in other people's lives yeah. and then give opinion to the success of other people's lives when you should be focused on your own growth and success? Mm. Why would you not listen to a book? Really, to, to arrive somewhere, to have the opportunity to arrive somewhere after a journey and to know more than when you had left? To choose not to do that, I, it's a tragedy. Yeah, it's, you know what, it's, it's almost, it's borderline hilarious that you mentioned this because, um, I had to borrow a friend's car to come here today because my partner took the car to drive to Calgary because her niece is turning one and she wants to be there. Right. So she, so she took the car and I never listened to the radio. I haven't listened to the radio in years because I'm, I'm like you, I listen to audiobooks or I have classical music on when I'm driving around because I just want to, that's my quiet space or, yeah, um, but so this morning was actually the very first time and I, I was up and driving at about 630 this morning and it was the very first time that I had listened to the radio in, in at least a year and a half, maybe two years or more. Yeah. How was it? It was horrendous. So it was <laughs> the, the drive that I was on was 25 minutes. Yeah. There were two songs played and legitimately the rest of the conversation was about whether or not Miley Cyrus and her breast or something tooted or farted they were they were saying tooted but farted on some show i was like what in the hell like is this actually what is on and it was it was 25 minutes and i so finally i I mean after a little bit i just turned it off and i was like i can't believe this but that was the dialogue and they were getting people to phone in yeah there was a whole call-in segment yeah and call in and talk about like your most embarrassing moment that i was just like this is what you know, people that are driving around yes. listen to all day long. This is what people that, you know, are working manual labor are probably listening no, hey, to listen, all day long. Let's, let's, let's not confuse it. This is what the most of the population is, is, is attuned to most of the time. Mm. It exists because that's what people are looking for. Mm. This is, I mean, it's, it's a real tragedy in society, mm. you know, but there's, there's this dialogue in that and why people look for that and everything else. Yeah. But I mean, and, and if you, if you recognize that you have an option that there's no neutral, then it's either taking you closer to your goals or further away from your goals. You make better decisions in life and, mm. and really in the universe, there is only positive charged or negative charged items. So it's either closer or further away. There's no neutral. It doesn't exist in the universe. Yeah. And so when you know that your life is influenced that way and you can make a decision knowing that when you look at anything and anything that you do, any place you go to, any friend that you communicate with, everything that you eat, everything has a consequence. Mm. Very, very true. Very, very right? true. So if I'm listening to the radio, is that getting me closer to my goals or further away from my goals? Well, 
further away. Further away. <laughs> okay, enough said. Yeah. Right? So so kind of on that track, uh, what are some what are some of the best practices that you have found over the years really help keep you grounded and focused and present and and really performing day to day at your best or really being present? Well, no, nothing's ever going to, you know, for me, nothing's ever going to replace exercise. Mm. Okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm cloudy. Like I, I can't function unless I exercise. Mm. I, I mean, to, to, and, and yeah, you know, I listen to a book when I'm, when I'm running often, and what I find more important now is that it's my meditative space. I'll listen to nothing and I'll let my mind wander. And I think and I find clarity and I get creativity in that process. When I have endorphins running through my body and I have ideas and creativity with endorphin, well, oh my gosh, wow, amazing. And so I wake up, I have my quiet space, I'm, I'm quiet, I don't talk to anybody, I don't do anything. And then I exercise and then after that, then I begin. So really it's a life hack and it's difficult and it's difficult to get into the pattern of exercise, but... It's not an option not to exercise. And I think some of the most, you know, most effective and, and some of the greatest people in society are, 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 have exercise and, and you know, well, we can certainly converse the greatest CEOs or executors in the world have exercise as a very, very important part of their life. Yeah. And it's something that can't be discounted and you, you, you can't, you know, there's more conversation in, in that leadership as well. And that, you know, to really be an effective uh, CEO or leader or community leader. It's about what you do and how people look at you. And, and when you exhibit exercise and health and vitality, it inspires others to lead that life as well. I, I, you can't give that up. It's not an option. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I think it's paramount to that's, that's also one of my sort of staples that go to that really helps almost like flush me out and helps me stay grounded and focused. And I found the times in my life where I've gone away from that is, you know, some of the most, not, not detrimental times, but some of the times that have really been challenging for me to, to make, to make powerful like choices for myself and be very clear and focused on what I want in my life. Um, mostly because it just helps me get back into my body and it actually helps me tune into my own sense of intuition and, you know, be able to really hear that that voice that's that's inside so just out of curiosity you know is there's the discipline behind it as well to yeah. actually do exhibit a discipline every day yes. you know like making your bed every day you do something small as an accomplishment you get out of bed you make your bed that's an accomplishment you begin your day with accomplishment mm. you exercise you you begin the day with accomplishment yeah you're already accomplishing you you set yourself in a pattern of accomplishment and you set yourself in a pattern of doing what it is that you don't want to do mm. Successful people are like unsuccessful people. Unsuccessful don't want to do things. Successful people don't want to do them, but they just do them anyhow. Yeah. That's the only difference. Yeah. Successful people do what they don't want to do and they just do, I mean, they do it anyhow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We all don't want to do stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like exercise. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, that, that I am reminded by with exercise, one of the things that keeps me going when I – especially I'm tired or, you know, hungover or whatever it might be, <laughs> is that exercise is one of those few things that when you finish, you never, ever, ever regret. That's mm. true. You never regret f exercise. When yeah. you're done, it's always euphoric. It's like, oh, I feel so great for having done that. I'm so glad I did it. Mm. I remind myself of that. And do you have a, a meditation practice or is running your yeah, exercise, just whatever it might be. Yeah. I mean, it could be fighting, it could be climbing, it could be running, it could be 
I mean, all kinds of places, my meditative spaces, my, my, my peace, not talking, mm. right. Self-reflection, you know, and I love that in the running, I get lost in my mind. Mm. And have you, have you always been an entrepreneur? Like when, when was your, when was your Never first had a job? Okay. Um, I, I laugh about that. Uh, I was a waiter once, uh, but I think that was self-employment as well. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, my, my, you know, my brother inspired me. I, I tell him that it's, it's sad because he was lost in the diminishment of our upbringing, which was, you know, which was a product of, of abuse and other things. And he, he inspired me. He, he lit my fire in the end. He was the one that had these ideas and I was you know, eight, eight, nine. And he, he had this idea of being an entrepreneur. He had this idea of posters and then pizza and other things. And I was like, yes, let's do it. But he was so caught in the best that he never executed the good. Mm. I was, I didn't care about the best. I just wanted to get it done. Let's just go. Let's just do. I was, I was eight. My brother was 13. We began our own little landscaping, landscaping business. We, we used the family lawnmower and weed eater and, and began soliciting business from the neighbors. And I ultimately in hindsight was really just cheap labor for my brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the older brother. So I'm very, you get it? I right. I'm the oldest of five. Five. Oh yeah, my God. They all got put to you work. You know how to abuse if everybody. Exactly. If they, if they listen to this episode. Like, yeah. Right. I'm not going to so, say too much more there. <laughs> right. So, you know, I learned about that. And my, and my, my own little first venture, my first real business lesson was, uh, my older brother, I was maybe grade 10 and, you know, he had been to London and U2 at that time back in the early eighties was big. And, and he had this bootlegged recording of this U2 concert at Wembley arena and came back with it. And I love favorite band and, oh my gosh, everybody's going to want this. You can't buy this. And, and I bought, uh, I, I had a tape to tape tape, uh, dating myself, <laughs> tape to tape, um, you know, uh, boombox, get whatever you want to call it, tape to deck, tape to tape recording thing. And I, I, you know, I went out and I bought these, you know, 12 packs of BASF, uh, tapes. And I started, you know, creating a, I created like a little cover for the tapes and I, and I created this inventory. I had, I don't know, 36 of these tapes. And I put up uh, posters around the school, you know, bootleg U2 and, and other things. And I, and I had all this stuff and I was creating this little business to sell these things for $5 each tapes cost me a buck. And I, and I, Oh my gosh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll make a fortune. And I put these all up. I had the inventory. Uh, and then the principal came to me, put me aside and said, you can't do this in the school. It's illegal anyhow. And it's going to promote and incite graffiti, which was ridiculous. <laughs> uh, but I had to take down all the posters. And that was my first business lesson was just in time inventory. And that I shouldn't have gone and recorded all of these tapes in advance. I should have just provided them by order. And that was my first business lesson. And, and I learned the pain of losing money. Uh, no, I, I got to reuse those tapes, but that took some time. Uh, and that was my, that was the embarkation point for my entrepreneurship where, where I was fraught with challenges that I had to overcome, uh, and, and the stress. And I, I'm confident that I borrowed the money for the tapes. So, <laughs> so, it was allowance money. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So, you know, so there's a business lesson in everything. Right. And, and that was the way that I looked at the world because I, I wanted to be, 
free of the repression that I faced at home. Mm. And I find that the greatest entrepreneurs in my lessons and in my, in my inquisitive nature and in my, in my study of, of the entrepreneurial mind and people's mind is that, is that those negative memories, the ones that, that are, are most painful are the most driving mm. and that people that had a real beautiful childhood aren't the ones that always make the greatest entrepreneurs, the ones that had to overcome and persevere. They're the ones that are most likely to continue working and driving away from the pain. Mm. And that pain stays with us for our lives. We continue to drive away from it. And and that was my life, maybe, you know, and that's maybe, and it's the product. And, 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 and you know, I could reveal a story, which is, you know, painful and dramatic, but I'm blessed with it. I was a gift. I, I'm executing on a, on a, on a global endeavor to change the lives of the 7.2 people on the earth and the, and the, and the countless billions of, of seabirds and, and, and mammals and everything else on the earth because of the pain that I lived. Mm. And so that was all a gift. It was all came as it was, you mm. know, it's, nothing is a, everything is a gift. All of it is a gift. Life itself is a gift. If we can sit back and say, truly the opportunity for us to actually exist, the, the absolutely unlikelihood of us to exist. If you, you just go back five generations, go back 10 generations. I mean, think of all of the generations that had to exist for us to be alive today. Mm. Think of the coincidence that our great, 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 great grandparents had to go through to meet each other, to have children. And then their children and the coincidence that they would have had to, the grandfather and great, 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 great grandfather and great that had to meet. The sheer improbability that we exist. And so it's a gift that we're alive. And if it's a gift, everything inside it is a gift. Everything inside it's a gift. Hmm. just to be alive is a gift. Everything inside it is a gift. Just the perspective that you take. Is it pain or is it a gift? It's a gift. Yeah. And I think that's, 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 you know, one of the things that's, I think really important there is, is it's an individual perception, you know, and it's, it's how people, is what people. It's only the way you choose the way you view it. Yeah. It's only a choice. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, you could have two people go through two exact, exact no set of question. circumstances and, and two and different have, interpretations. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And this is Victor Frank, Victor Frankel's work in, in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, uh, in that, in that realm of psychology. And, and, and Stephen Covey talks about it in the seven habits and, and really it's the space between condition and response. There is a space between condition and response where within the animal world in the animal kingdom, the deer when it hears a noise it is spooked and it doesn't think about it. It just hears a noise and it, and it, and it flees. Mm. It doesn't have a space in between the condition, which is the noise and the response, which is to flee the noise to flee. There is no space, but within man, there's a space between the condition and the response mm. in that space is our decision. It's the decision that defines our life. Mm. How, you, what you decide, how, you, what you choose. That's that choice in between condition and response. Mm. Those choices are your life. So, you know, you talk about that space. And I think the first thing, as you were saying that the first thing that came into my mind is how did you cultivate that space? Because I think all of us have, have had different journeys and and I'm sure that for the listeners that are out there that you know m maybe struggling financially or 
struggling in a relationship or, you know, wanting to start their own business, but not too sure. Like there, there's that condition and response. And so it, it, it takes, it, it does take time in order to cultivate that, that space. So I'm curious, like wh- what were some of, you know, whether it was a, a story or an, or an example of it, how did you actually build that, build that space and, and, and allow yourself, I call it sitting in the shit. How did you allow yourself to sit in the shit to understand the lesson instead of just fleeing and running and, and succumbing to, to instinct? Yeah. You know, I always wanted to flee, you know, it's, it's, that's that's broad. And I think that I can, you know, in my mid forties now I can, I can speak of it because I have lived a life that was in the shit and what was substantiated was that everything works out. Mm. It always worked out. My greatest fears were just fears. And I can look back now and say, Oh, I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm assured that it always works out. Mm. It just works out. I know that it's an obstacle. I, I, I have the, I have the wisdom now to look at it and go, Oh, look at this shit. What do I need or who do I need to become to overcome it? Mm. And I chat about it, that obstacles come to instruct and not obstruct. Mm. And every lesson you encounter, every obstacle you encounter is there for you at the time that you need it. Yeah. It is there appropriately placed. And so I just know now that I can look at it and go, oh, okay, I got to figure that out. <laughs> awesome. Oh, I didn't see that lesson coming. Yeah. Great. Obviously, I need this for the next step of my life. This is great. This is amazing. Mm. And I've just had the experience to know that it all works out so I can look at it with, with, with patience and, and reverence to love it and accept it and go, wow. And so I can get through it faster. Mm. I don't wallow in it. Yeah. I think, I think one of the questions that I've often asked myself in those situations is who do I need to become? in order to move through this, you know, who do I need to become in order to, to move through this obstacle, to overcome this obstacle, to, to actually get to the other side, because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's, it's an evolutionary process, right? It's a growth process. And either you're going to stay there in that place for a long time, or you're going to, I get, you can't, I don't know if you can really move backwards. You just make, you just make choices to, to diminish your own self-worth is, is what is. Yeah, you happens. degrade. I, 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 I can argue that you do degrade. You don't stay there. You don't stay anywhere. Mm. Remember there's no neutrals. You don't stay there. If you, yep. if you, if you were there, you diminish your, because, because you, you, you give up the growth when you, when you go there, you, you may feel like you're staying there, but you're actually giving up all of the growth. So you are actually going backwards. Mm. Yep. That's a valid point. So, so you, you give up all of the beauty and opportunity and everything else that, that, that should be coming from it. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, so just to kind of, to kind of move forward, you know, what is your, I'm, I'm curious, what's your definition of, of success? What does it look like for you, David Katz? Well, that's, that's a very, very <laughs> deep and profound question. Really. And, it's, and it's very important and, and really I resonate with it. And, and I think success for me is to be present in the day mm-hmm. and success is to be alive every day and to feel inspired by my actions every day and to not have a day go by where I didn't feel like I was alive. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I have tomorrow. I got no idea. I have no idea of what's going to happen tonight. I have no idea what's going to happen in 10 minutes from now. So if I can be present in this and enjoy this and be, and, and be celebratory and, and all of it, then I think that's successful. Mm. I don't, I don't think there is any other definition of success. Mm. 
it is it is definitely not in things. Yeah. I, I like things. I have a lot of fun with stuff and I Same. love my little car and I love everything else. I think it's amazing. Same. It's so much fun. But that's not it. Yeah. That may be an indication. That may be, I think that is more of a symptom of who we've become. Mm. Maybe symptom is not the best word for it, but I think that it is somewhat. Mm. And is there somebody that you looked up to when you were younger that really embodied your your uh, definition of success back then and somebody that embodies your definition of success now or or over the course of the past you know 10 or 15 years or so while you grew into this entrepreneur i mean you were always an entrepreneur but as you as you grew into the the recognized and celebrated entrepreneur that you are now was there anyone that inspired me to continued success you know i think that I was more inspired by failure mm. I was more inspired by the by what I didn't want to be. Mm. I'm more inspired by the pain that I was subjected to, mm. and it kept me fleeing from it. Uh, I kept, you know, that then that that ultimately that it, there's a big conversation in that, to, you know, because you 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 see what you believe, right? And and when you believe that life is full of pain, that's what you end up seeing. So there takes there's takes a transcendence to get past that, and and a, and a maturity to to under to, to to change that to to say that you know it's not pain that you're looking for, but but pleasure. The people that inspired me in my life are are are, are the are really are the teachers of life, the ones that that were kind to me, the 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 people who were fatherly to me when I didn't have fatherly advice, they were simple people. They were the ones that showed me happiness and joy and family. The ones that made me laugh and gave me the assurance that life wasn't full of pain, that it was full of pleasure. I think that inspiration can come from from anywhere, from anybody. It doesn't have to be someone who we perceive or the media perceives as being successful because of their wealth or because of their stature or the things that they have. You can find inspiration in the poorest of people who still have a smile on their face, mm. that still find joy in life without things. Maybe that's more of the inspiration. My lessons came from many places. My lessons that that, you know, when I, when I learned that if someone else has something, I just have to do what they did and I'll get the same result. You know, it's, it's cause and effect. When I learned cause and effect, I, oh, really? Like if someone else became a multimillionaire and I just do exactly what they did, I could get the same result. Uh, <laughs> hold on. Wait a second. I don't have to invent anything. And there was, you know, in, in my entrepreneurial group, there was a, what has become a cliche and, and you know, that success is all R and D and you know what R and D is, right? Mm-hmm. It's rip off and duplicate. And that's just it. Yeah. Just rip off and duplicate. I don't need to invent anything. I can just do what other people have done and I'll get the same result. Mm. Don't invent anything. Mm. What a it's not a waste of time. I mean, there's a journey in the invention for sure. And you can take a sense of satisfaction from learning it, but why would you inflict so much pain on yourself when you can just, and you can shorten all of the pain and you can just go do it. Someone else has spent 20 years in pain to have some wisdom. Just do what they did. 
I think there's inspiration in everything and in everybody. And, you know, I take inspiration in the books that I've read and, and I, and, you know, I have a, a view of life that it's inspiring and, and abundant and unlimited. And, and because I look at life that way and because that's my belief, that's what I end up seeing. Mm. When did that, 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 that came through a lifetime of experience. And I can't, I can't really reiterate that enough that, that it was wisdom. It was time. And if I was to send a message, it was to, and this, you can't hear that. I could tell, I could try to tell you this. People tried to tell me this as well, but you would, it's not possible to hear it. It is really a, a reflection to know that it all works out. Mm. <laughs> Someone could try to tell you, don't worry. It's all going to work out. The bankruptcy, don't worry. It's fine. It's all good. Your wife left you. Don't worry. It's fine. It's all part of the lesson of life. Uh, there's just so much pain that you can't, you can't, you can't see the beauty in it at the time, but it all works out. I think, yeah, I think that's one of my, one of my favorite sayings or quotes that Steve Jobs, when he says, you can only connect the dots backwards, you can't connect them forwards. Right. And it's, and it's, it's so true. It's something that it's almost hard to conceptually understand until, until you experience it. And then all of a sudden you have like this moment of just getting it right. And just understanding that. It all makes sense all of a sudden. Yeah. So on that, I mean, on that topic of, of, of lessons and, you know, we talk a lot about defining moments and I'm just very curious of, you know, what, what are, or what is maybe like one defining moment you, you talked about some, some painful stories. And I, I don't know if you're, you're open to, to maybe sharing one that really made you into the person that you are today. You know, like there's, there's some very specific stories that, that have yeah, molded my right. life. And, yes. and I'm just curious if you'd be, if you'd be open to sharing one of those with, with us and the listeners, because I think that's how people really, really bond and, and really let those lessons kind of sink in. My, um, my father was, um, incredibly mechanical and industrious. And when I was 12, he embarked on building a 47 foot sailboat from the hull up by himself. And at the completion uh, of the boat, uh, sailed to Mexico. I met him in Mexico and we, we sailed the Sea of Cortez where I learned how to dead reckon or navigate and, and sail and a bunch of other things. And, uh, on the way back up, uh, that was like our Christmas vacation at grade 10. That was mine. I spent time with him and summer I met him in San Francisco and we began to sail and, and we, we left San Francisco in a few days out of San Francisco. We were in a 20 foot breaking wave, a 60 knot wind, you know, 25 to 40 kilometers offshore in, you know, mostly hypothermic. And I was terrified as that 15 year old at this time. And, and, you know, I looked at my father and he, he, he remained stoic. And so I, I felt some security in it, in, in the terror that I had in this, in this journey, in this boat that my father built, uh, you know, if it was a sailboat that someone else built, I would probably have more <laughs> faith. But my dad built a boat for Pete's sakes, and and we're in this in this storm with no land at night, and this dawn of this third day. To cut the sh- story short, my father had a heart attack, hmm. and began giving me his jewelry and his last testament, and I had no one but myself to have hope in. 
And that was a turning point in my life where I knew if it was to be, it was up to me. And to call a mayday and to fight to save not just my father's life, but my own life mm. was really a defining moment in, in who I am. You know, there's many defining moments. And again, it's the way you interpret them. Yeah. But that was my, you know, my manhood. That was my my bar, my bar mitzvah, as, you, <laughs> as we might say. You know, it was really that, you know, manhood. I mean, that was, it was, uh, the choice was to die at sea. It was a great lesson. What a gift. And I had a great story from it. And that was just a high level. It's <laughs> incredible. Uh, but many, many great stories. And my daughter as well, you know, I expressed the story that my daughter was born with Down syndrome unexpectedly. And on the day that that news was delivered to me when we were in the delivery room with all of the expectation and the hope that I was going to have a daughter. And I already felt the wedding that was going to come. And when you have children, you have that vision into the future, the hope in the future. And, and, and then, you know, the, the room scurries and, one doctor calls another doctor and another doctor calls another doctor and and she's blue and you think that it's okay. She's just blue from the move, you know, mm. and, and you say kind of inquisitively, well, what's wrong? And they look at you and go, Mr. Katz, if you just sit next to your wife, we'll tell you. Mm. Well, that's a defining moment in your life too. Mm. But it was who I needed to become to have a child with Down syndrome. It was the beauty that I received from being able to look inside someone's eyes and celebrate all of the joy and all of the pleasure and all of the play and all of the beauty that every single person holds. Mm -hmm. And I could say that the plastic paint comes from her because it was because of her that I was able to love everybody. Mm -hmm. And love is a verb and action, don't forget. When you love someone, it's selfish to sit back and say, oh, I feel a certain way. That's not love. That's selfishness. Mm. To love someone is to do for them. That's much different. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think a lot of people get, I mean, first off, you know, I just want to acknowledge you for, for sharing those things. Yeah. I think that's, it's, it's very powerful and it's incredible to hear, hear those things and to have that level of, of vulnerability really is strength, mm. you know? And, and I think, the the more that we can understand that the the better that will be you know and and in i think in a lot of ways a lot of people and generally in generalizing you know men especially think that they need to be that quote unquote stoic ironclad armored up dude right. you know and i think the more that we can can be authentic and true and real that is to be manly. That is to be a man. To be a man is to be emotional. To be yeah. a man is to be authentic. To be a man is to grow. To be a man is to be vulnerable. That is to be a man. Yeah. I always, I always say, you know, what if, what if growing a pair actually meant tapping into your vulnerability and being able to be... That is growing a pair. Right. Yeah. That is it. Because when you think about it, really they're the most sensitive part of us, right? So <laughs> what, you're, you're, what you're actually telling somebody else is grow your sensitivity. Exactly. Right? Like grow your vulnerability. Right. That's what you're literally telling somebody. Grow the most vulnerable part of yourself. Yes. Right? And being able to tap into that and, and express it authentically and genuinely and, and to have 
learn something from it. Well, so much grow. vulnerability. You have to have a, uh, you've got to have a set to be vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> to expose yourself. Yeah. You know, expose your set. That's vulnerable. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think there's, there's something there's, I think, you know, what's interesting is it's, it's almost like dropping your, your armor or, or like removing the armor and dropping the walls actually takes more strength than building them up. Right. And hiding behind them. It takes Amen. a whole different Amen. set. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That is, that's being a man. Yeah. I mean, if I was to add anything to this, this is, that is where growth comes. Yeah. That is where you book. That's where you become strong. That's where you become a leader yeah. is to be vulnerable, to listen, to hear, to feel hmm. that by being, sto- by being closed, by not being able to hear, hmm. That's that's by by being stoic, by being in denial, mm. anything but being a man. It was interesting because just just earlier on today, I, I had somebody ask me about man talks and what it was and you know why it exists, and I, I explained it, and he proceeded to tell me about um, a little over a year ago he went through a very challenging breakup, mm. and he said it was it was so challenging that there were moments where you know, I, I can, I contemplated suicide and I was mm-hmm. depressed and, and, it, and all of this came out of me just telling him what we do and, and why this exists. Space. Yeah. And, and he said, you know, the, the funny thing is, is that I could have used, he's like, I really could have used something like this almost. And he said, not, not because I didn't think that I was strong enough to get through it, but because I was looking for permission to fully experience the things that were going on in my life. And he said it was the very first time that I ever went and sought out counseling. Mm-hmm. And it was the very first time that I actually let my guard down around my family and went and had a conversation with my father about, you know, what the breakup was like and, and how to actually move through it. And I said, good, good for you. And, and then he, he kind of smiley turned to me. He's like, you know what? Outside of, outside of my dad and the counselor that I went and talked to, you're the only person I've ever told that to. Mm-hmm. And it's incredible what people are capable of when we just give them the space to share, you know, and to actually be heard. I think that's one of the things that I really have appreciated about you is that you you give people the space to actually be heard. Yeah. So, I mean, we've kind of talked about, we've talked about a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, we've talked about a couple of things and I have, I have a couple of questions to, to, to ask you, you know, you seem like a very well-educated, well-read guy. And so I'm just kind of very curious as to what are some of the most impactful books that you've read? Like what you, I think you mentioned the seven habits of highly effective people. Listen, that's, that's a, that's, that's a fundamental. It's, yeah, that's, it's, my, it's my Bible. That's one of mine too. Yeah. Um, and that, and that, and that, and that gives perspective on, on the growth that that will let every other Okay, seven habits. I, I go into whole dialogue about seven habits, um, <laughs> uh, and and it, and it's a study course in in my companies. Everyone, we we everyone is required to go through the seven habits, and and we go habit by habit, and we have a discussion around that, and everyone comes to a place where they where they understand, um, when they when they when they understand the effectiveness of life and, and how to be vulnerable and everything else and, and how to love and, and, and everything. And so very, very important. Uh, there's so, there's so much, there's so much beauty and there's so many gifts 
in knowledge and in reading and in learning. And there are ways that you can go about it. The, I, for myself, uh, the, the greatest gift and the greatest multiplier was when I learned about audible.com and about being able to listen to books and about, about that time where I would be in a, listening to a radio or other things or, or, or the time where I had time or travel or exercise where, where, where instead of nothingness or something that would diminish me where I would, where I would listen. And the most impactful books are the ones that were read by the author, like the seven habits, the unabridged version read by Dr. Covey that, that, that you could hear the intonation in, and the emphasis in words to understand what it is that the author was trying to reveal. Every book has something great when you know what lens to view it with. And every book has a gift when you know what it is in your life, what actions in your life, what beliefs you have in your life that will drive you towards the presence and the, and, and the daily presence of your, of your gift your gift, your life, and what gift you have to give to the world. Mm. When you know what lens to view life with, every book is a multiplication of your life because you interpret the book as, as the not, you, you have the ability to go through a book with the reference to your life. Mm. Everything is meaningful when you know what to look for. When you don't know what to look for, it doesn't matter how many books you go through because mm. you can't see the lesson inside it. But when you know what to look for, it's evident in everything. Yeah, that's I think that's a good perspective because I feel like, you know, you have on one hand the people that pick up a book and what is it that 80 percent of Americans only read the first 20 percent of a book? OK, hold on. Let's this, let's hold on a second. second. Set that aside. Yeah. I, the average amount of books read per year is less than one. Yeah. Less than most people don't read ever again <laughs> after college. <laughs> most never, ever, ever, ever pick up a book again. Yeah. And if it's less than one and of the book that they pick up, most don't go through the first chapter. It's abysmal. Yeah. And I think that is because they don't know how to view the book. They don't know how to interpret the book. They don't know what to look for in the book. Hmm. So when you when you go about choosing a book, do you think do you think to yourself what would be the most effective for me in this time in my life right now, or it, is it based on an area of your life that you're trying to build and grow? Like, what's that process? It's, like? it's 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 twofold. It's not not only do I try to find an area like if I if I if there's something that I feel that I'm uh, remiss in or in. Uh, uh, in, in deficit in, then I will, I'll resonate for the book, but I'm going to take you back to understanding what your values are, what the actions of your life that when facilitated daily will lead you to the success of your life. So a value is not a virtue, not to be confused by, by that, but a value is that those things that you want more of in your life or you want less of in your life. And when you recognize the things that you want more of in your life or less of, but when you want more of in your life than any book you pick up, you can re you resonate with it because although you may be directed to the book, the lessons in the book will be in the fulfillment of the things that you want more of in your life. So you can take away something from any book that you, that you read. It may be just one, 
line, one sentence, but when you have a view, a lens to interpret it with, that becomes better. That becomes it becomes a perpetuator, a multiplier in life. But yes, when I when I view a category of books and having been through a book a week for the last ten years, I, I know that the books come to me in the time that I need the book quite often. Mm. But that comes from me being prepared for the book. That's that's being in my journey of becoming the person that I need to become. And that book and that title quite often only presents itself and resonates itself with me when I'm ready to hear the book or ready to see the title of that book. So it's a bit difficult for me to answer to say, I go and look for those books. I don't look for the books. I become prepared to receive the book when it presents itself. And when I receive the book and it presents itself to me, I have a lens to view that book with in relation to where I need to go in my life. Mm. And it comes at the right time. Mm. Wonderful. I like it. Um, moving forward, because uh, we, we, we do need to wrap it up pretty quick. So um, I just have a, a couple more things. One of the one of the questions that we always like to ask our guests is about legacy. Um, so if you could, if you could choose any legacy to leave in the world, what would that legacy be? Hmm. Well, that's, that's hard. It's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, it's kind of a big one. It's a big, it's a big question. I, I, I am told that I'm leaving something in the idea of the monetization of waste and to, and to provide an opportunity to transcend extreme poverty, just the idea itself as it's caught, as it's caught the attention of people around the world and the millions of people who are associated with us now, I believe that there's a bit of a legacy there, but that's not really what I want to be known for. I think more importantly, I want to live in the minds of my children. I want to, I know that, I know that leadership is, is the action. I want, I want to, I want to, be authentic and I want to be known for being being present and I want to lead others into the present day to not postpone joy to not postpone the experience of the fleeting opportunity of being alive and to know that every moment counts and that I have a choice to live the life that I want to be known for and that I chose it and I lived it. Mm. It's such a deep and complex question. There are so many people in our lives. But I think that in itself is, is a legacy, right? Cause how many people can you, can you describe or really say in that way, you know? And if, if somebody was to come up and say, you know, what's one, who's one person in your life that left the legacy of being fully present? consistently you know it's it's a hard thing so i mean that in itself is is a profound legacy and, that, and that's leadership in the end yeah. it's the action of life and you lead people by doing yes and 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 that's really what i continue to aspire to be is the living action of life hmm. and so for the the people that are out there that you know are, are thinking about starting a business that's that's really in line with their their true beliefs you know, and their, their innate values and their, and their innate mm-hmm. gifts in the world. What's sort of one piece of advice that you would give them or one piece of advice that has always guided you? Mm-hmm. My, my greatest success came from knowing, understanding what I wanted in my life, 
what would fulfill me. And when I vocalized it, when I gave words to what I wanted in my life, I was able to see more of it. When I was able to see more of it, I lived more in line with it. I began to live the action of what I wanted in my life. My advice to someone who wants to be an entrepreneur is to vocalize what it is that you want your life to be known for. What actions to bridge community? If it's to bridge community, then naturally the business that you embark on should be to bridge community, to bring people together. Perhaps it's to create an organization, a community of people who want their children to meditate. Perhaps it's an organization of people who want to build apps for meditation. But it's to bridge community. Even if you don't reach untold wealth, you would at least be rich in the presence of life. And the wealth would become inconsequential. You would be fulfilled in it. And you, in your presence, in your life, would be a leader. First, understand what it is that you want more of in your life and live in the action of it without compromise. And find the business that fulfills that. Sounds a bit... Um, that may sound a little bit... Uh, I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for is. Airy fairy comes to my mind, but that's not it. <laughs> grandiose. Uh, it's maybe grandiose, but it's... You don't have an opportunity to forgo your joy and happiness. It's not an opportunity to forgo your joy and happiness for the accumulation of wealth. Mm. And in fact, the accumulation of wealth comes from being in line with your joy and happiness. Mm. You are joyful and happy. And you, when you are joyful and happy, that is when you accumulate wealth. Mm. Nice. Yeah. And this one's a weird one. That's okay. No, that's great. I think that's fantastic. I love, I love asking this one. And, uh, this is Roger's favorite question. So I had to ask it for him, but you know, what's, what's one question that you've never been asked before that you wish you'd been asked? Oh, that's hard. <laughs> Come on. What kind of question is that? Um, or if I could have asked you a question during this interview, well, what would you have ideally like? Beautiful it questions. And it was, it was, it was heartfelt and nice. And, and I, and I, I think that, I think that maybe the nature of the program and who you endeavor to become and your living action of it has revealed the questions mm. that have been heartfelt and touching and important. And you've asked questions that haven't been asked. Okay. And, 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 you know, I, I, I'm going to finish that with, the one question that is often asked, which is, David, what has been the biggest stumbling block? <laughs> right. And it's, and, and I want to converse this because it's the answer that is uncommon. We've touched on this in the program. I'm always asked, David, you're launching something with a global 
initiative and an mm. endeavor that is beyond self what has been the biggest stumbling block and i believe that most people are waiting for me to say government or business or something but the answer is always truly self the biggest encumbrance to any success in life is self and the ability to persevere self-doubt when you master that when you master self you master life there's depth in that answer that may take some listeners time to fully comprehend but there is a rudimentary and fundamental truth and beauty in it that when you master self you master life and that the key to success is to master self it's not to master success or wealth it's the other way around yeah wonderful wonderful and what's one thing that you're excited about in the future that's that's really the it's really the last thing like what's one thing that that's up and coming either in your personal life or with the plastic bank that you know you want so people many to check amazing out? things are happening all the time it's <laughs> just amazing we've got this great you know there's so many beautiful things that are happening with with so many beautiful organizations every day is exciting tomorrow is exciting i don't know what's going to happen tomorrow tomorrow is going to be amazing uh, I, I'm most excited. What am I most excited about? I'm. Wow, that's a hard question as well. I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't know what I don't know. Uh, when I can, you know, if I was to answer that, would be to limit the amount of excitement because it would make it would become finite if I was to answer that. And I'm excited about about what is untold. I'm excited about the the limitlessness of this opportunity and, and the collaboration. And I'm, I'm excited about how many people are beginning to collaborate and to be a part of it. And I'm excited by, I'm excited by the multiplication of, of, of efforts and the beauty that is being revealed and, and, and the community that is being revealed. And I'm excited by the solution I'm excited by the world. I'm excited by the opportunity of life. It's it's such a such a difficult question to answer. It's okay. How can uh, how can people get involved? I think that's I think the the question there is you know how a how can people get involved in the plastic bank and b where can they find more information about the plastic, plastic bank? Plasticbank.org. Plasticbank.org. Uh, that's you know it's important for them to learn more about us. Do spend more time there. See what we're doing. There's a petition there as well, which we use to to communicate with our brands, uh, our customers who are, who are the brands, and we substantiate that that people want their brands to be using social plastic. It's very very important as well. But I think I think m m more than that, they they have to communicate it. They have to tell other people. They have to know that there's a possibility. They have to move themselves into the possibility of solution. Mm -hmm. If anything, I want people to know that life is limitless and that they can be a part of everything and anything. And then it's not to sit back and say, geez, you know, I knew someone should do something about it, as maybe some listeners have done and said, oh, I'm glad someone's doing something about it. But it's their opportunity to do something about it. That when you overcome self, when you live in line with the things that fulfill you, when you see everything 
learning is an opportunity for learning and growth, that you yourself have all of the tools already in your hands to embark and make change. And that who you become in that journey is the greatest gift that you can give back to society as you live that, as you become that person, as you inspire others through your daily action. That is the gift. Hmm. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And cool. uh, for everybody out there that uh, wants to connect with you on Twitter, it's at David Katz. Uh, at David Katz. At plastic EO? bank, yeah, or at plastic bank, yeah. at plastic bank, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You guys have, uh, you guys plastic have a bank. huge, huge following yeah, already. At plastic incredible. bank, which is done a fun and uh, social plastic Facebook. You know, be be a friend, uh, or even find me on Facebook as well, David Katz. Uh, you can find me there. Uh, I mean, there's just a million ways. Find me on LinkedIn. Find me anywhere. I'm, you know, I, I I bridge community. I love community. I love everyone that wants to be involved. I'm inspired by everyone who is inspired by me, I feel a greater sense of duty to the people who reach out. And everyone that does reach out gives me more affirmation to continue to work on behalf of everyone. So the more the people that reach out, the better. Wonderful. Wonderful. So if you're out there and you want to be in action and you want to contribute in some way, shape or form, you heard it. Find, find him. Find uh, me. <laughs> find the Plastic <laughs> Bank. Uh, and for those of you who are wanting a little bit more information on, on Man Talks or want to check out the other podcasts, go to mantalks.com. Uh, we've got podcasts, blog posts, uh, videos from past talks, which is pretty incredible. And uh, one of the quick things that you probably want to check out is the one day Man Talks intensive that we have coming up on November 7th. Um, it's going to be here in Vancouver, British Columbia at the Vancouver Convention Center. Uh, we've got the CEO of Kit and Ace coming to speak. We have Sachin Raha coming to speak. Uh, we have the ex-captain of the Whitecaps, Jay Demare, coming to speak. We also have uh, the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, Brian Scudamore, coming to speak. So we have some incredible men who are going to be sharing their journeys. Um, that's just to name a few. If you want more details on that, go to mantalks.com uh, and click on Intensive. It'll be right on the main page. Thanks very much for joining us, and thanks for being a part of Inspiring Men Having Inspiring Conversations. 